0: Look at, uh, we're going to begin in Psalm 132. I have the notes, the passage right there on, on the notes, but you might open your Bible as well. Let's go ahead and turn as may the house lights on if you can, as you can. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We ask you for the word that's on your heart that would strengthen our spirit, that would illuminate our understanding as to what the Holy Spirit's doing in this hour. We thank You for it in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to talk tonight about the greatest worship movement in all of human history that is emerging in the earth right now. Beloved, it's very serious. It's not just a uh, kind of exciting, hey, music's going to get cool. I'm talking about the greatest worship movement in human history is already beginning to emerge in a way that is discernible and it's clear to see, and it's all through the Bible, the promise of the end-time worship movement. Now, I believe we are in the generation that is going to see the coming of the Lord. Now, whether it's five years or 50 years, I don't know. My guess is it's closer to 50 years than it is five years. Because there's a number of things in the Scriptures, these hundred chapters that I've mentioned that are focused on the end times there are a hundred chapters plus in the word of God of which the primary focus is the end times I have made it a commitment to study these hundred chapters over the last years and there is dynamic and relevant information about the end time worship movement it will surpass anything we've ever imagined because the The plan of God's heart is what is declared, is, is what we pray in the Lord's Prayer on earth like it is in heaven. And the Lord is going to establish a worship ministry on earth that will pattern the worship ministry around the throne of God in heaven. That's how committed God is to the end time worship movement. Let's read Psalm 132. I call this the vow that changed history. Psalm 132, this might be a new passage to some of you. This has been one of the most significant passages in my life for 25 years. And my prayer is that some of you that are 20 years old, you will take this psalm, even though it might be new to you, and you will take hold of this psalm and make it one of the most significant psalms in your life. It's the sacred vow that King David made that changed the course of his life And this vow changed the course of human history. And it's this vow that will be at the very center of the end-time worship movement. And we as a people, this conference and all of those that are connected to us, we're not an organization out there, but we are a relational network of just a lot of friends all all over the world. We're not interested in a franchise But we are interested in what the Holy Spirit called, when He spoke this years ago, an international family of affection. He's raising up men and women, young and old, from all the nations. He's joining us together as an international family of affection. And as the IHOP movement... As it's breaking forth across the earth, we're one little strand in the global worship movement. There is a massive global uh, worship movement. We're one small part. There's many, many different streams, but we're all in this thing together as lovers of Christ Jesus. Let's look at this vow. I call it the vow that changed history. The psalmist writes, recalling King David. And he says in Psalm 132, verse 1, He's reminding the Lord of David's vow in order to cry out for the breakthrough of the power of God. He says, Lord, remember David. Remember all of his afflictions. Now these afflictions are referencing the difficult decisions he made in order to keep the vow to radically seek God. These aren't just afflictions that life is hard. His car broke down. He lost his job. It's not afflictions in just everyday life. He's talking about afflictions that are directly related to his radical commitment to obey God in a way that disrupted many other people. Beloved, when you obey God, with all of your heart, people around you will be upset sometimes. It's a part of the package. I know that you know that. He goes on in verse 2. He says, Remember how David swore to the Lord. How David vowed to the Mighty One. And here's the vow. Here's what David swore. I will not go into the chamber of my house. I will not go to the comfort of my bed. I will not give sleep to my eyes until I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling place for the Mighty One of Jacob. What David said is, I'm not going to live my normal everyday life I'm not going to embrace all of my legitimate comforts, but rather I'm going to pursue God in fasting, prayer, in unusual dedication until, verse 5, until the Lord has a place on the earth where people live in unity with the Holy Spirit. That's a dwelling place we call a spirit of revival, a breakthrough of the presence of God. The Lord is challenging many of you in this auditorium and those that are viewing by television. He's challenging you that you would make an unusual commitment to Him. Beloved, extreme times require extreme measures. It's not an hour for business as usual. It's an hour for extreme dedication and extreme commitment to the Lord until... Until the Lord has a place on the earth and we're believing God for a thousand places on the earth where there are people who experience the power of the Holy Spirit and they live in unity with the Holy Spirit instead of quenching the Holy Spirit. Paragraph B. Now in this vow, David received... Revelation. Because he made this vow, he positioned his heart to receive insight into the kind of worship that moved the heart of God. Beloved, I believe this vow is an essential dimension of receiving understanding of the kind of worship that, is moving, that moves the heart of God. Here's what David did. Look at this. The Holy Spirit showed David... To get full-time singers and full-time musicians. They're called Levites in this passage. And he put these Levites in front of the Ark of the Covenant. And 24 hours a day, they worshiped God before the Ark of the Covenant. Now, the reason they did this for 24 hours a day, because David saw by the Spirit that that's how they worshiped in heaven before the throne of God and the ark of God the ark of the covenant on the earth is it was a picture of the throne of God in heaven and God had singers around his throne 24 hours a day and the holy spirit showed David i want you to worship on the earth in the way that God is worshiped around the throne in heaven so David established an order of worship on the earth that was an expression of the worship order of heaven. Now David provided... Now catch this, young people, catch this. This was a full-time occupation. This was a full-time job and it was a legitimate occupation in David's generation. David was so extravagant about this He gave himself, and you can read the notes, he gave a hundred billion dollars of his own money to finance the worship ministry in in the next generation. Now, turn to your neighbor and say a hundred billion dollars. Say, did I hear that right? Now, incidentally, this is only a one-page handout here for you. On the internet, this is a 12 or 15, I can't remember, 12 or 15 pages. You can go to the internet if this interests you, and I trust it interests many of you, to find more of the details about this teaching, about the worship order that King David established. Because here's the point. The order of worship that David established as his generation was a reflection of the order of worship around the throne, And the Holy Spirit is setting up that same order on the earth in the cities of the earth. And it's going to happen before Jesus returns. Matter of fact, it's going to be a significant dimension of the return of Jesus because He's not going to return until the worship movement across the earth is mature and it's like He wants it And King David understood God's heart about worship like nobody else did in the Old Testament. He peered right into the heavenly sanctuary and he saw the kind of worship that God delights in. Beloved David gave a hundred billion dollars to the establishing of the worship ministry. It was at the end of his life. But he did it for the next generation. How many of you think God has... The answer is yes, by the way. How many of you think that God has key men and key women already in place that are positioned to give a hundred billion dollars to the end-time worship movement? It's true. God is setting up His men and women... Like unto David, he's giving the wealth of the nations to them. And they will do, in this generation, financially, what David did in his generation. And the net result, there will be full-time singers, full-time musicians, full-time annas. That will be their occupation. That will be their dignity. That will be their assignment from God. And they will do it for years and years and years. Because... God wants to be worshipped on earth like it is in heaven. Jesus told us to pray that. Just apply that verse on earth like it is in heaven from Matthew six ten. Apply that to the worship movement, not only to other dimensions of the kingdom. Paragraph C David had four thousand full time musicians. That's right. Four thousand full time musicians. Now, we have, in Kansas City, a couple hundred. And it seems like a lot. You know, we maybe have three or four hundred. Let's just say four hundred. I don't know the real number. But we got some hundreds. David had four thousand. And I take a step back and I go, Lord, I could picture four thousand full-time musicians. I like this. Not just to hear, Beloved, the message of Kansas City is this. If we can do it, you can do it. The message of Kansas City is this. The weak and broken people in this city, if we can do it, then weak and broken people in your city can do it too. It's true. You get 24-hour worship with anointed singers and musicians established, the power of God will begin... To increase and manifest glory in those cities and in those nations. And it is going to happen. I prophesy it from the Word of God. It is going to happen before Jesus returns. David had 4,000 full-time paid musicians. He had 288 singers. Now these were the first string singers. These were the most developed, skillful, anointed prophetic singers in all of the nation. 288. Can you imagine 288 singers that sing like Misty Edwards and Eddie James flowing in the Spirit in unity 24 hours a day? You're going to see that in a number of cities across the earth before the Lord returns. I love it. I can already see this thing emerging in the earth. It's one of the great signs of the times. The emergence of the global worship movement is in itself one of the great signs of the times of the generation of the Lord returns. And I think personally, we're three or four decades out or maybe longer. We have time to do this thing right. You have time To get married, have your children, and train them in the future prophetic music schools, and they will probably be the main leaders of the movement, of the worship movement, when the Lord returns. If I was guessing, and I'm talking to 20-year-olds, if I was guessing, I would think it would be your children that will be the leaders at the highest point of the end-time worship movement. I really do. We're at the beginning of the beginning of a historic phenomenon in the kingdom of God related to singers in the order of King David. Now David, I have in paragraph C, he financed about 10,000 staff members. 10,000. Because he had the support ministries, the gatekeepers, and you can read more about this if you look on the internet on the other handout. I took a step back and said, Lord, what would it cost us to have 5,000 full-time, I mean, David had 10,000, what would it cost to have 5,000 full-time singers and musicians, and we gave them a a very humble, small salary, say $3,000 a month. Now, that's not our commitment. Our singers at this point in time, they raise their own support. and We have other ways we help them a little bit here and there. But I began to dream some time ago. What would it cost to fund 5,000 full-time singers? And you know, the number is very small. $200 million a year. Now, you think that might be a big number. Let me tell you, $200 million a year is a really small number to have worship on earth in the order of how God revealed to David that it is in heaven. Beloved, I have so much faith. I'm not sound, I'm not trying to be a big shot here. I have profound confidence in my spirit for $200 million a year. I look up, I go, God, is that easy? Or is that real easy? And the answer I get, that's real easy for me to give $200 million. It may be a little stressful on the guys that God gives the $200 million to because of all the warfare and all the issue, but it's easy for God to give $200 million. Then I took a step back. And I want to push some of you 20-year-olds. I'm 52, so i got 30 years on you. I want you to take my vision and double it in your generation and go far beyond where I will go. I mean this. I mean this. So I took a step back, and I said, Lord, I want, I can believe you for 200 million. I really, really can. That, that, I can do that. But I want to be pushed. I really want to be pushed. I mean, this is the end of the age. The King of Kings. The glorious God. 200 million dollars is nothing. The Lord began to stir my heart a couple years ago. I want you to believe me, for 12, 12, 5,000 member IHOP mission bases, $200 million a piece every year. So I did the math. I said, okay, $3 billion a year. $3 billion. For $3 billion, we could see 12 sinners going 24 hours a day with 5,000 people. Did you know there are men on the earth right now that could write a $3 billion check and not even miss it? They wouldn't even know it was gone in terms of their lifestyle. I said, Lord, is this easy for you? The Lord says, I can give $3 billion, but I'm looking for people who will make a vow That they will not live business as usual and they will commit themselves to this kind of reality. And beloved, God's raising up men and women, young and old, all over the earth with this kind of consecration and this kind of dedication. Paragraph D. David was not casual about this revelation. I mean, this wasn't something David said, hey, guess what, everybody? I saw the revelation of the heavenly sanctuary, and I have insight on how God was worshipped. No, he didn't offer it as a casual insight. He came back out of this revelation with God. Uh, No doubt he had several revelations. And he commanded the people of God to embrace this reality. Look what it says. Hezekiah. He stationed, 2 Chronicles 29 25. He stationed the Levites in the house of the Lord. He gave them the instruments. Why did Hezekiah the king do this? According to the command of King David. Now, this was 300 years earlier that King David commanded this. Hezekiah is 300 years after David, plus. This command was still in force 300 years later. And Hezekiah said this command of David was actually the command of the Lord Himself. Did you know that putting 24-hour singers and worship leaders before the presence of God was not a suggestion it was a commandment that God commanded David to command the people of God with. This brings it up to a whole other level. These worship principles are timeless. What God revealed to David. They are valid today. Things like full-time singers and musicians... This is on God's heart today. There's nowhere in the Bible where there is even the slightest suggestion that God rescinded or nullified or canceled this commandment. This commandment was never canceled by God. Never. God never changes. It's still in His heart. Now, it's true to say the Holy Spirit has not emphasized this commandment but it's also true to say this commandment has never been taken back. It has never been nullified. It has never been rescinded. This commandment, though not emphasized by the Spirit in a universal way, there have been key times in history where God the Holy Spirit enforced and emphasized this, the key ministries throughout church history, and they had 24-hour worship. There's, there, we have a lot of research On the 24-hour worship movement throughout history, it's a fascinating study. I won't go into right now. But the Holy Spirit has occasionally mandated this, but in the generation the Lord returns, He is going to press this in a way that is going to be dynamic and glorious. He's already beginning to do it. If I had... Well, I'll just do it right now. How many of you... I'm going to have you stand up. If you have have had some sort of dream, personally or someone gave you one, or a prophetic word of any kind, where you're supposed to do something related to 24-hour worship and prayer, stand up. Somewhere you've received a dream of this. Luke, come here. You're, You're so freaking out. Come on over here. I can hear you. Now I want you to see this. You're going, oh, God, oh! I can hear Luke groaning and look at how many people say it. Come on! <laughs> <laughs> no, look at this. You guys, you old guys, stand up. Look at this. Look at how many people in this room have had a dream or a prophetic word to be involved in 24 hour worship. Alan, what do you think? Eddie? <laughs> you like it? Okay, good. This is what I'm talking about. Beloved, this is multiplied all over the earth, this kind of thing right here. Now, I realize we're kind of real. You know, people who love worship show up to a conference like this. You can go ahead and be seated. But this is the real deal. It is exploding worldwide. It is real. It's powerful. Look what it says, paragraph E. Solomon established the singers according to the direction... That God gave his father David. It says, according to the order of his father David, Solomon appointed the Levites to worship, so David commanded. This is the command of God to David, so Solomon put the singers in place. Look at the next passage, paragraph F. Whenever Israel went astray, Israel went astray many times in the Old Testament. Catch this, it's really important. When Israel went astray, God stirred up a man who got the vision to establish worship on earth according to the pattern that David saw in heaven and seven times in the Old Testament. A reformer was raised up in that city of Jerusalem and the thing the reformer did, he put the singer's and the musicians back in place as a full-time occupation. Not a half hour on Sunday morning, a full-time occupation. Thousands of them in one location in the city of Jerusalem. God is raising up reformers right now. The church has been astray for many generations. In the cities of the earth, Cairo, Egypt, London, Singapore, Frankfurt, Berlin, all over South America, all over Africa and Europe. God is raising up reformers. They have a zeal for Psalm 132. They are grabbed by God at the heart level. And they are going to put singers and musicians in their place according to the order that God gave David. Look at look at later on in paragraph F. Josiah said to the Levites, Prepare yourself. 2 Chronicles 35. Following the instruction of David, the singers were in their place according to the command of David. Let's go to paragraph G. Turn the page. Now notice, every one of these leaders... They're not saying, hey, I just got stirred up one day. They are obeying a command that God gave David that God never took back. Never did God take this commandment back. Never. There's no evidence whatsoever. I don't believe every church is supposed to do this. No. Not even close. I believe that every church is supposed to be a part of it in their city. You know, if we see a million full-time singers and musicians, how many of you can believe for a million? Do you know what a million is? Of the great harvest, we're expecting, believing God for a billion new souls. You know, a million is only one-tenth of one percent of that great harvest. If one-tenth of one percent of the billion give themselves one-tenth, tenth of 1%, it would be a million, and it would be enough to build houses of prayer across the cities of the earth. I don't believe 99% of the people will do this as their job, but I believe 1% might. That'd be 10 million. I like 10 million. I like that better than 1 million. But even if it was 10 million, it'd be 1%. Is it possible that in your city God is going to begin in the next decade. I mean, we wanted him to begin in your city the next month, of course. But just in the next year or two or three or four or five, to begin to establish this kind of order in your city, in your university, in your, at your campus. Paragraph G. Zerubbabel. Look what he did. Ezra 3. He put the Levites in place. Why? According to the command of David. Paragraph H. Established, he put singers as established by David. Paragraph I. Ezra and Nehemiah. They put singers in place according to the command of David. According to the command of David, which was the command of God. Paragraph J. Now this is a really important one. This is uh, Nehemiah. Nehemiah's telling his story. I have a Nehemiah-type ministry, and so do many of you in this place. And I'm going to call forth the Nehemiahs for just a moment, but I want you to pay attention. Here's what Nehemiah did. Nehemiah 13. The tithes were commanded to be given to the Levites and the singers. Did you know... That the tithes are commanded to help support the worship ministry to go night and day. I'm not trying to start a revolution in the church. Many churches have a music and worship department. They do this in part. And that's honorable. Verse 10. Here's what Nehemiah... I want some of you to follow this really close. Nehemiah said, I realized that the financial portion for the Levites was not given to them. Here's why. The Levites and the singers who were doing the work in the temple, that means they were doing their singing and their ministry to the Lord, etc., they had to go back to the field. All over the body of Christ, there are singers who are working in jobs all over the all over. But if the body of Christ had a vision for the building of the tabernacle of worship, according to the revelation of David, these singers and musicians would not be working at Starbucks. They would be in the house of prayer 24 hours a day worshiping. It says that these singers had to go back to the field, which means to their jobs. They said, I wanted to sing in the house of the Lord, but they wouldn't give me any finance. Now, I'm not talking to local churches right now. Because this is going to be bigger than a local church. This is going to take citywide efforts. There's not going to be one local church that's going to do this by themselves. This is going to be a timing of God in cities. God is going to raise up men and women like King David that are going to supernaturally finance these and we're going to see a radical transformation of understanding about the place of the singer and the musician in the kingdom of God. Verse 11 Nehemiah said, I was so stirred up that those singers went back to work at Starbucks Look at verse 11. I contended with the rulers of the land. He went to the the top leaders of the nation of Israel. He goes, I'm contending with you. It is not okay that the singers don't have money. That's what he told them. He contended with the major leaders of the land of Israel. And then he told them, why is the house of God forsaken? And what he meant was, Why are the prayer rooms empty? Because he's talking about the singers. In our language, I want to contend, challenge. I want to get in the face of powerful men and women financially across the earth. And I want to say, Why are the prayer rooms of the earth empty? We must for the first of the wealth of the nations to build the worship houses according to the order of King David. Well, I contended with the leaders, he said. Why are the prayer rooms empty? But you know what Nehemiah said? Now you Nehemiah's out here. He goes, I'm not going to wait till the money comes. I gathered the singers together, and I put them in their place anyway. He goes, the leaders didn't help me. But I said, tough. I'm going to talk them into it anyway. Hey, singers, why don't you do a little of this and a little bit of that? Maybe work at Starbucks a few less hours and be in the house of prayer. Nehemiah put them in their place. Look, What happened, verse 12? Then the entire nation, they saw a living demonstration. Their eyes opened. And the rest of the nation said, We get it. We get it. And they brought all the tithes in and supported them. Some of you, many of you, that are Nehemiahs, you're going to have to begin to put the singers in place before the money comes look what Nehemiah said verse 14 Nehemiah's I want to encourage you here's what the Lord says here's what Nehemiah says the Lord is remembering everything about this the Lord is remembering me in this the Lord will remember your work Nehemiah's now I want to add just for a moment because I want to be done with this just in just one minute We're gonna change gears, we're gonna take this to the next level in just a moment. But I want to ask anyone in this room, you have a calling like me in this regard, you're a Nehemiah. I am fanatical about raising money for singers and musicians. I don't sing, I don't dance. I mean I do, they won't let me do it on the platform. I don't sing, I don't dance, I don't play an instrument but I am fanatical about getting money for singers and musicians to be in the house of the Lord. Some of you are 18, some of you are 80. If that's in your spirit to be a vessel of supply for the singers and the musicians, I want you to stand up across this room. Maybe you're 18 years old. Maybe you are a singer. You can still be a singer and do this. David was a pretty good singer, wouldn't you say? Pretty good musician. He gave a hundred billion dollars of his own money. Talking about a fanatic, he was committed. Father, I ask you right now, there's thousands of you. I ask you for an anointing of boldness. I ask you for an anointing of creativity. I ask you for an anointing of power. In the next years and even decades, supernatural ability to make wealth. To fund the prayer movement in the cities of the earth. Amen and amen. Well, I'm going to skip a lot and go right to paragraph M. The great conflict at the end of the age. You know what the great conflict at the end of the age? There are two houses of prayer that are in collision with each other in the end of the age. It's the Antichrist house of prayer and the Jesus house of prayer. This is the main conflict on the earth in the realm of the Spirit are two houses of prayer. Paragraph N. The Antichrist, this may be a new piece of information, I'll finish with this. The Antichrist is going to raise up, catch this, state-financed houses of prayer that are devoted to himself and to Satan. I want you to hear this. It's a new idea to some of you. There is coming forth a real man called the Antichrist. He may be alive on the earth right now as a young boy. I don't know. I don't know that kind of detail. There is a real man. There is an Antichrist spirit for sure. But there's more than that. There's a man. And this man is going to raise up, state-financed, he's going to pay for it by the governments of the earth, a worship houses. And beloved, this isn't going to just be kind of like the worship movement of the Antichrist. Is isn't going to be like they're just saying these kind of dead chants, like some Buddha chant. They will be skillful musicians. It will be emotional. It will be powerful. It will be financed billions of dollars a year are going to be put into satan's worship movement billions every year there will be signs and wonders but i want to assure you this it is the counterfeit and it's satan's attempt to cut off the real worship movement and that's what god's doing right now across the earth amen and amen i'm gonna have all the singers and musicians stand up for just a moment if you say, singer, musician. Then we're going to. Trans- I'm going to pray for you. Then we're going to transition over to another subject here. Father, I ask you this whole place. Raise up your hand. I can't. Well, I, it's all of you. I should have had both of you that aren't singers and musicians stand up. Father, I ask you in this house, in this building, I ask you for an anointing of grace. I ask you for a prophetic grace, a Holy Spirit resolve to press in, to break through, to break out, to break open the House of Prayer worship movement in their area. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Go ahead and be seated. We're going to move to a very specific dimension of the House of Prayer movement. The Holy Spirit.